Okay, I'm Bryce. And I'm Will. And this is SideQuests. And we are picking up from where we left off last week what? because... <laughs> Samantha is confused. Because of the time differential vortex that we just stumbled into. So, uh... Right. It turns out that through the magic of editing, we can pick up or leave off whenever we prefer. That's true. So, we are... Picking up from where we left off last week, and I don't remember where that was, but you will very shortly. Yeah, we're going to probably jump back in talking about couch co op things. Probably. That's my guess. Or maybe even education, but I hope we don't go back that far. That would be too far. We talked about that a lot. This time we've gone too far. I believe we're done. <laughs> That's true. All right, and I'm going to, or Will is going to say something very interesting yeah. right now. Fascinating. So we played Mario Kart, and the other game that we played is not called Too Many Cooks. It's not called Too Many Cooks. Too Many Cooks. (laughs) Um, Which you should Google Too Many Cooks if you don't know it and watch that video. And watch all of it. I understand you kind of get what they're doing at first. You do not get what they're doing all the way. Just stick with it. It'll be hard for a little while, but you'll be happy that you persevered. Yeah, if you're into really weird stuff. (laughs) So, what's the game actually called? It is called Overcooked. Overcooked. And that is a cooperative game where you... I'm going to go and say that it is not strictly a cooking game. Okay, yes. You cook, but it is a kitchen management game. Yeah. And so, part of what you do is cook things, and part of what you do is get get ingredients to the right place. You get dishes to people who want them. Right. And you have to get dirty dishes back. You have to clean them. You have to wash dishes. And your goal is to serve as many people as possible. So I believe that the game consists of moving ingredients to cutting boards, Mm -hmm. cutting ingredients, Mm -hmm. moving cut ingredients to cooking things. Often. Moving cooking things to heat sources. Wait, I thought that was cooking things. Wait, I can't remember whether pans are separate from burners. Oh, yeah, that's true. They are. But they don't start that way necessarily. Right, but they become separate. Right, so you have to get ingredients to pots... Mm-hmm. Pots to fires. Yeah. Pots off of fires before they burn. Yeah. Once it's finished cooked, then it's food, right? It's, it's ceased being ingredients. Now it's food. Right. But it's food in a pot. Yeah. So you need to move food from a pot to a plate. Right. Or a bowl. It's unclear. They're all the same. It's kind of a shallow bowl. Yeah. That could be a plate. Yeah. Which um, is fine. You're only going to have one surface. Right. So there's two basic kinds of food you make, which is soups and burgers. And we'll come back to the differences in a minute. Yeah. And then you take the plate bowl and put it on a conveyor belt to customers. I'm guessing there's a wait staff or somebody who immediately takes it and handles it. That's not our department. It's not our department. You just have to get it to the conveyor belt out to the people. And then eventually dirty dishes come back. Right. Kind of from the same portal. Yeah. You know, they end up in a little pile. And then there's a sink. And so you have to take the dishes to the sink. And then you have to wash the dishes. And then you put the dishes back on counters. Right. And that's it. It's a little crazy because there's no drying rack involved. No, it's not necessary in this in this universe. And so it's sort of top down 2D. I mean, I think you're 3D figures, but you're yeah, in a 2D yeah. plane and you move around. And for some reason, they have built kitchens in some terrible places. Right. Like pirate ships where counters roll back and forth. I'm not sure why they put the counter on wheels and then put the counter on a boat. Right. I understand one or the other. Yeah. But you could just knock the wheel off. That could be somebody's activity for the first two minutes of the game. Right. I've knocked wheels off of things. It does not take that long. Yeah, or you could put the wedge 
Yeah, or just a block. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one kitchen where half of it is on one truck and the other half is on another truck and you're going down a highway. Yeah. And sometimes the truck halves line up. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And we played this for a while. It was sort of the end of the night, so we were not really very awake anymore. Yeah. It, it was fun, though. And actually, one of the most interesting of games was the one where you were in a kitchen where you actually couldn't walk past each other. Yeah. But it was funny because that one was almost the easiest. Well, it was the hardest at first. We yeah. were like failed so horribly. But then its constraint forced us to, like, take very clear roles yeah. and divide up work very clearly, which is probably true for any system where you have to divide up labor. Right. But the constraint was so rigid that we just had to solve it. Right. Like, we could make no progress unless we solved it completely. Yeah, the first time we were like, this is so hard. And the second time we were like, all right, hold on. I'm going to be the one on top. And Will, you're going to be... And, or you get to pick, but, you know. Yes, I believe I chopped things and put them on a counter okay over and over again right and then zach took those things and put them in pots and then put them in bowls yeah i also took ingredients out of things and put them closer to you yeah once you had the system in place Mm. you could notice when it was useful for you to jump out right and it wasn't never yeah because like i would go do dishes yeah that was part of my job but you don't always have to do dishes, but sometimes you definitely do. And occasionally I'd be so busy moving ingredients that Zach would come and get the dishes. And that worked pretty well. So so it was fine to have some slack on either end. And I'm sure sometimes Zach would probably finish chopping something occasionally. I don't was paying zero attention to what was going on uh, down there. <laughs> Trillion, my cat, is going to finish Will's ramen drippings. Yeah, fish uh, flakes. Uh, yeah, she loves fish flakes Which and chicken bone goo. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, everything in this ramen is delicious, so if you let it dry, yeah. it's just delicious goop. Anyway, so this game was really fun, and part of the game was working together collaboratively so that we can come up with a solution collectively to the problem that they gave. Right. And mechanically, there isn't that much to it. Like, robots would be really, really good at this game. Yeah, and you press, like, two buttons, right? Yeah. I mean, and uh, the D-pad. Plus the D-pad, yeah. 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 It was really interesting, and it caused us to have this one experience that was unique to us. But also, we were, like, laughing and joking and going, Oh, no! Everything's on fire! Oh, there's a fire extinguisher. Move the onions! (laughs) Right. And, oh, my God, I served that, and nobody wanted it. and, And just, like shouting and fun and that was great but it was really fun and I like that experience and I think it's sort of I don't know it's sort of common these days to not make that kind of game I'm not sure what you mean by that kind of game couch co-op oh yes okay I mean, the kind of game that you are supposed to have real-life friends in the real world who show up to your house to play them. Right, and this is totally insane. And if you're a game publisher, you should figure out whether... I mean, I have a belief, and my belief is that there are a lot of grown-ups who Mm. like playing games with their friends and don't like playing games on their own. Right, and maybe even... And they have money. Yeah, and maybe they're just looking for an excuse to hang out with their friends. Yeah. Outside of work. Yeah, because the truth is that I don't love playing video games anymore. Mm. Like, I play video games. It's fun. It's one of, like, a large number of leisure activities. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard for me to enjoy playing mm-hmm. a video game. Like, it takes a lot of work. I have enjoyed a lot of the Zelda I've been playing. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like I am putting in work 
because I'm curious about this game. Right. right. I feel like I'm doing research because I am interested in how game design works. Yeah. Um, and so when I sit down, I'm like, I- I'm going to do some research. That's part of that's part By of the, killing this monster. Yeah, it's part of like the pep talk I give myself because I'm like, this game's fun, uh-huh. but I could do a million other things. Right. But you know what we want all want to do? We want to hang out with our friends. Right. I love my friends. Right. Yeah. I really like having that experience, and I understand not developing for that. Yeah. Because it's not guaranteed that your audience, your audiencee, your audience member, has somebody that they're going to play that game with. Right, that's true. Also, you can sell one quarter of the games in that scenario. Uh, yeah. Because you bought that game. Right. I don't know how much it was. Yeah, I don't remember. Because Tens. it turns out that the price of your game, I don't care about. Right. I know some people do. Yeah. But in general, you know what is more valuable to me than your game? It's my time. Right. So I literally don't care how much the game costs. I will buy it if mm-hmm. I think it will be awesome, and I won't if it isn't. Yeah. Well, I'm... I mean, why I don't care. If it was $500, I'd be like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's not that good. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm making oh. sounds. Oh, hold on. Alright. What were we saying? Well, we were talking about the experience that is playing games with your friends. And um, that it's fun. And that it's really fun. And that the reason it's really fun is because your friends are fun. Right. And none of this is strange. <laughs> Every sentence we just said right. was really obvious. Right. And it's funny because a lot of these co-op games that we just played and we're talking about are not very high fidelity no, and or not co-op, but friend playing so, games. So the other game that we played a lot of is Artemis. Mm. Um, yeah, and that game is so much fun. It's so much fun, and so Artemis is a starship bridge simulator. Yeah, so it's not called Star Trek the game because um, someone else owns the rights to yeah, that. Yeah, but if you wanted to have the experience of being in Starfleet and being a captain or engineer or a science officer right. or etc. of a ship, and if you're listening to our podcast, you did. It's statistically likely. <laughs> if you wanted to do that, you could play this game and now it has some limitations there are some problems i have with the game but only after really enjoying it for a while right and so i want to say two things Mm -hmm. i want to say developers of artemis Mm -hmm. if you're listening which is extremely unlikely i love the crap out of your game yeah i've played a lot i love it I've bought it a bunch of different times. Right. I object to the fact that I can't play it on a Mac. But there are some things that we don't like. But you talk about the things you don't like about the things you love. Yeah. So right. when we proceed to complain about your game, right. it's only because we love the crap out of it. Right. And I've spent many hours really enjoying it. Yeah. And disclaimer. Good. <laughs> um, so uh, you can't play it on a Mac. So it means that there's a certain amount of needing IT. the IT setup that is mostly solved in that game, but it's a little not solved. But, well, the fact that we are frequently playing it on a pile of crappy laptops that mostly we let children use is not always a good idea. <laughs> right. And because we let children use them, they're missing keys yeah. often. Or most recently, CPUs. <laughs> But that's a story for another time. All right. (laughs) But it's really fun. You get to each play a different role. You have to communicate. It's fun playing with Molly because she says sir at the end of everything. Absolutely. That she says. She's like really into the role playing aspect Um, of that game, which is not necessary for playing it, but it's one way you can and it can be very fun to do so. Yeah. Angry, angry caller slash 
producer slash fan Jeff is a good Jeff good... I, I would like to so we got an email from Jeff who said he got downgraded from producer to fan because I think in one of the very early episodes we called him the producer but after a while I realized that I am for sure the producer of this podcast right. we're pretty sure you haven't ever produced a podcast uh, of ours of you ours. definitely have produced I, podcast I'm sorry I didn't mean to say the thing I said <laughs> right you just didn't produce side quests the producer's job is doing things like setting up the audio equipment monitoring the recording as they're happening right now I have headphones on listening to this recording right now um, you could say that it is not the job to edit it and it's somebody else's job. The or editor's the job. The editor's perhaps. job. Or you could say that's part of the producer's job. In which case I do that also. Okay. Bryce is definitely the producer. I am definitely the producer of this podcast. And we apologize for <laughs> any inaccuracies. Right. So it's not so much we downgraded you as more realistically classified you. <laughs> we looked over the books and we figured out right. what was going on. And you were definitely pulling in the wrong set. Salary um, of zero dollars instead of zero dollars. But Angry Fan Producer Jeff is a very good crew member and mm. a very good captain as well. We've flown many missions with him. Mm -hmm. He likes the dress code, so mm. there have been hats involved on some missions. Oh yeah, that's true. I've definitely been there for yeah, hats. hats or epaulets. And none of that has to do with your game. Right. But it kind of all has to do with your game. <laughs> right. Because most recreational activities I do don't convince me that I should go find a hat to wear. <laughs> and, and that's a weird success metric, uh -huh. but it's actually a very big success. Right, it's buy-in. Yeah, because I was it's like, it's a strong, it's strong evidence of buy-in. Yeah, I'm gonna go do this want. silly thing, mm -hmm. and I'm so into it, I'm gonna wear a silly hat. Right, and one day I would like to make an Artemis-like game. Yeah, I want to do that so hard. On the table, we put it there. We're admitting yeah. it. And you may have noticed in Starbridge Man, which you should have played, and you can check it out. You can get there from our website, sidequestspodcast.com. Yeah, and play it. It's um, play it doesn't it. take that long, and it is more or less a podcast, because the most interesting things are Bryce talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so if you like the podcast, right. play the game. You get to hear me be a boss of a slug creature. You'll notice that if you play Starbridge Man, we have made a game where you are a crew member on on a starship. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of different consoles. You're, in fact, all of the crew members and the only crew member of a starship. Yeah, the joke's on you. <laughs> uh, Mostly due to budget cuts. And radiation leaks. Yeah. Uh, so, I just like space and starships. No. So, I like doing that kind of thing. As a programmer, I like yeah. the lack of gravity. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And friction and the relative simplicity of the physics. Yeah. That's true. Anyway, so my my main problem with Artemis is there is a relatively small number of interactions. Although, mm -hmm. I do want to describe... With the game? Uh, or with each other. Okay, so if you get it down, if your crew, like, yeah. has it together and you communicate, you can do some amazing things, but they're all easy and not... Part of the difficulty of that game is the social aspect. One of my favorite moments in that game was one of the ships that we had. 
um, had a blink drive or a jump drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Battlestar Galactica drive. Yeah, the BSG. And so in this particular instance, we loaded up nukes in all of the torpedoes. There was a ship that we had to go get. It was huge. And we're like, all right, we've stored up all the energy. We've got it all lined up. We're going to blink drive to right next to it. I think I was captaining in this one. Okay. And uh, the only other player I actually remember that was there was Justin. Okay. And I said, all right, we're going to load all the torpedoes. We're going to blink drive right behind this giant other ship that's supposed to be the hard part of the whole game. We're going to appear, fire all nukes, and then see what's yeah. what. Like, yeah. that was the whole plan. But we're like, okay, now what do we do? All right, shields up, raise more torpedoes, whatever. We're going to switch to that. We're going to be prepared for a big fight. And we looked around. There was nothing in sight. We just obliterated everything. It was fantastic. It was funny because we were like almost literally waiting for the smoke to clear. Yeah. And then there was nothing left. We had completely succeeded. But one of the problems was that success was actually very boring. Right. Yeah, and that's really interesting because the moment was really fun. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. And that moment of success was, was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But but over time, we have developed a sense that we don't really want to play the game a lot more. Right. Because I feel like we kind of did it. Yeah, right. Like, we, we, we got succeeded. it. Like, there's ways to play and fail. And I would, if anyone said, hey, let's get together and play Artemis, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. That mm-hmm. sounds awesome. Right. Right. And maybe I'd just try a different station or yeah, something. Yeah, and I would up the difficulty or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think that game is missing is narrative content. Right. Um, and I know that There's they, a little. And they have narrative content, and they have systems for community-produced narrative oh, content. Oh, okay. But they're hard to implement. Okay. And that's like a crappy thing to say, because, you know, you made a system. You, you tried to make it workable, and it is workable. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I could implement it, and I could download mods, and I could download things and put them into the game but i also probably could work an it job <laughs> like if that's the set of skills that's required <laughs> right. to get your community content in it's not just like oh let's play a new mission Right. And it's quite possible we're just missing something. But I think that we kind of have looked at the menu. Yeah. And if you <laughs> We've have clicked to do, on most of the things you can click on. Right. If you have to do a lot more things, I don't think it's something that we're missing. Right. It's tricky. And I highly recommend playing this game. Yeah. Like, it's really fun. Get six people together. I think six is the optimal number. Yeah. You uh, can do it with less. But... Yeah. If you have fewer than... You have to double up on stations, yeah. so you might be both and you spend, comms and science. And if you're going to play the game, spend a little bit of time reading about it. Mm. The first couple yeah. times I played, I actually didn't play. I pulled documentation up on my computer, oh, and I explained I things to people. We are like, what does this button do? <laughs> yeah, and I, I'd, I'd pull it up. and Yeah, so this is a good example of a game that does not teach itself well, right? but that is actually fun. And part of that is the social aspect. Because yeah. you're in the room with people, most people who are playing this game are playing with somebody who's played it before. Yeah, exactly. And contemporary game designers, video game designers, talk about the early days of video games. Mm. And we talk about the difficulty and kind of opacity of NES games. Mm. Right where okay. you played Zelda, but who knows? Huh. That game gives you no tutorial. Um, oh, yeah. But it You miss- can not get the sword. <laughs> but it misses how much of early video game playing was with a friend. Mm. And was with someone in the same room. And, right. and how much information was transmitted through 
through social networks and communications, right. like literally at the lunch table or <laughs> right. on the playground. Right, right. And part of it is that adults often don't have as many peer social interactions as they did, you know, right. as you did when you were a kid, for yeah. sure. So yeah. you have different kinds of social interactions than you had when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. And you play fewer video games mm-hmm. than you did when you were a kid, probably. Right. Because if you're a grown-up, you have a job and stuff. Right. And jobs are harder than school, it turns out. Um, That's true. And then also, there are so many more video games that it's not very likely that you and your friend have been playing the same game. Right. Especially if you are primarily a PC or phone gamer. And one of the things that's so great about playing on the same couch as all your friends, and I want to wrap this up, so this is the last thing I'm going to say on this topic. At this point, we might just be two podcasts. But the thing that's great about putting all your friends on the same couch is that you're all playing the same game. So you can talk about it later. Yeah, it's true. And it's true of other types of games that are not video games where you're in the same room, like board games or, um, for example, the game The Village or Werewolf or whatever you want to call it. Mafia is... uh, Chatty games. Yeah, the kind of games where one of you is bad and everyone else is good and you have to try to figure out who's bad. Yeah. Uh, Those kind of games. By the way, I was the werewolf once and I hated it. I killed the shit out of that village, but I hated it. It's bad. You were a monster. I was. I just my heart was and you going. Murdered at like, your friends. I did all of them. I won. I killed them all. Did you make any of them werewolves? I did. And oh, then they so didn't kill that one. No, but they somehow fell off my scent. Like I managed to convince everyone else that it was somebody else, and nobody could tell who it was. And oh. then. It was great. And I can talk about this, and I can talk about this with them. And Now, I actually disliked the experience while doing it, to the point where I don't ever play that game anymore. I run it sometimes, but I don't play, because being the werewolf is the worst thing. (laughs) But one of the things I really like about that game is that afterwards, there's all these people you participated in that with. And you can talk to them about what happened, and how did it go, and oh my god, and then you did that thing, and oh my god, that was amazing i mean it's probably half of the appeal of sports yeah as well is that there's the camaraderie and people there that are right there with you playing it and why people get together to watch it yeah we all worked really hard on this random ass task right and it's both as a participant and as a you know in in some ways when you're playing a game like a board game or a like artemis or something then you have just all consumed the same content as well as both participated in the same activity there's both aspects of that combined right there and those are both great things to talk about it's why we go to movies with each other yeah rather than just by ourselves. and then i mean i actually kind of enjoy going to see a movie by myself but one of the first things you do after you see a movie by yourself is the next person you hang out with you're like hey (laughs) have you seen The Post? I have not seen The Post. Uh, It was good. Oh. I'll talk about it one day. Alright. It seems like Spotlight 2 the post <laughs> yeah i didn't watch spotlight but oh it was so good. so we're missing and so we can't have an interesting conversation right we're just off anyway. if only we had watched the movies together <laughs> I know. yeah i want to go see all the oscar movies 
Yeah. I always want to go see all the Oscar movies. I never succeed anymore because there's ten of them. Nine this year. It's too many. It was better when it was five. Yeah, I believe you. Well, I used to have Oscar parties in college where we would gamble on the Oscars. Uh, it's really fun to gamble on the Oscars. Fun. People yeah. like gambling. I like games. Yeah, it's a game where yeah, it's based on arbitrary guesses and or having seen a bunch of movies. Yeah. Both of which are fun. Yeah. Anyway, alright, so here's the deal. We have been talking for an hour and 45 minutes. Now, I'm not sure where we are time-wise in the podcast, right? but we may have just recorded two podcasts, in which case we could take a break and talk about what's going on. I want to do at least that. We can at least take a break. We're going to take a break. Alright, breaking. And we are back. And we're back. So... Funny thing, while on break just now, I got a text message from my nephew, Max. Hello, Max, who I just told about the podcast. Apparently, I hadn't told him about it yet. <laughs> and told him we were recording a podcast and that I'd talk about this right now. So I'm going to do it. All right. Um, it was very fitting because what he did was send me two screenshots from Shadow of the Colossus, which they just released today for the PlayStation 4. But... Shadow of the Colossus is actually an old game that came out for the PlayStation 2 very near the end of the console cycle. And it was amazing technologically at the time. Like, super amazing. There are no cuts when you're walking through this huge open world. It does things like dynamically load different world segments, Mm -hmm. which is something that they really didn't do in the PlayStation 2 era. And we talked about this game a little bit before. Yeah. It's still a thing that's not done a lot because it's hard Uh to do. It's true. And this is mostly an option because it's a huge, empty world. Yeah. There are 12 enemies in it, Mm -hmm. period. Now, I don't know what they did to the PlayStation 4 reboot, remix version, whatever they just put out. They might have done something crazy, like add another enemy or do something, change a behavior. Presumably they didn't, because the game is so well regarded. Right, and they're selling it partially on nostalgia and partially on lighting effects. Oh my god. So I watched the trailer earlier today, and a lot of what they showed was just light bloom from behind Colossi. Yeah, bloom is nice. And they are so big, most of them. Right, hence the name. Right. Right. They're well-named creatures. And so a lot of what they have is awesome lighting effects coming from behind Colossi that are blocking light with part of them and letting it stream gloriously past them in other parts. And Yeah, it's it, fantastic. They're just beautiful screenshots, and the trailer is, is really well put together as a way to showcase things that I know and love and how beautiful they have made them. And I'm, I really want to get it, even though it's a puzzle game. And we talked about how they said that they have no replayability, but that game is so great. Yeah, I also don't think puzzle games have no replayability. Yeah, that's true. I think I know how to beat them because I've played it enough times. Yeah, yeah, but I played Braid relatively recently oh, for yeah. the third time. Oh, okay. It was fun. Yeah. There were parts I couldn't quite remember. Oh, that's what you want. (laughs) Yeah, I could remember bits because they showed a bunch of them. And I would be like, oh, I remember how you do that one. Oh, I remember. But it was just very funny. So Max is young. He's probably experiencing the kind of math we were discussing earlier. (laughs) No, he's probably experiencing slightly more advanced math than the kind we were talking about earlier. He's in high school now. Wow, okay. Yeah, but he was... keep getting older. 
year. Yeah, I know. That keeps happening. The game came out in 2004? Six? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Seven? I literally don't know. People kept talking about how great it was, and I didn't have the console. So yeah. it was one of the things I was like, well, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> right. I did have the console, and I was working at a video game store at the time. So I actually bought the very small number of used copies from the video game store where I worked because somebody had returned it, and I was like, I'm going to buy it right now with my discount. Thank you as quickly as possible. It never saw the shelf. Like, I don't think I even stuck stickers on it. I just scanned it in and then bought it because that's one of the few and shitty privileges that you get from working. You get to get other people's garbage sooner. Yeah, somebody returned it because it's a puzzle game and some people just don't like puzzle games and it's a beautiful puzzle game and so it was attractive. Oh, yeah, that's fine. People don't like stuff. Yeah, and they returned it and I bought it. Like, day two or three. And everyone was happy except them they probably were less happy than you <laughs> yeah that's true oh this might have been the one the one that i bought but somebody returned it once it might not have been that particular one somebody no re- no just cut all the rest of that this is a good story no i have to leave it in <laughs> based on bryce's rule of podcasting somebody returned it and they said they bought the manual with it or the what do you no, call like the it? guide the guide yeah, the yeah. strategy and guide. they were like it ruined it for me <laughs> yeah and they said something like there's no way you could figure it out without this I was like, it's a puzzle game. You could just do it. Yeah. You just play it. And so that was how I got the game, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's absolutely how. They returned it, and you took it, and you bought it right then. Right. Probably. Yeah. I remember. I was there. It's funny. Human memory is shown to be, like, just a simulation of how things could have happened. Right. And I remember one of those things for sure happened, (laughs) and another one of those things for sure happened, and it's very likely that they happened together. Have you seen The Man Who Shot Liberty Valence? I haven't. All right. Well, there's a man who shoots Liberty Valence. Okay. And it's a Western. Yeah, I knew that. it has a frame story about a newspaper article. And the ending of it has an editor saying to the reporter, if you have a choice between printing the truth and printing the legend, print the legend. Mm, that's, that's how I feel. Nice. That's how I feel about this podcast. So print gonna, the legend. We're going to print the legend that somebody returned it because they bought the strategy guide and that told them how to beat it and it's a puzzle game and the whole point of puzzle games is figuring out how to beat them. So yeah. if something tells you, then you failed. Right. You like bought a accidentally, game ruiner. Yeah, you accidentally broke the game. Right. And so that's what happened. Yeah. Now. That's it. Just print it. Anyway, but that game is so great. I'm probably going to get it. I don't know when, but yeah. I just love that game so much. I have it for the PlayStation 2. Like, I have the disc still. So, I don't need it. I think you can play PS2 games on the PS4. I don't know. I haven't tried. One of these days, we'll see. We'll see. And my PlayStation 2 is broken, so I can't play it on that anymore. But, but I might just get it, because then it'll just be on my PlayStation, and it'll look gorgeous. Yeah, I want to play it, so get yeah. it. I'll play it and sometime with you. So it's the same company that previously made Ico. Yeah. And they later went on to make The Last Guardian. And we've talked about playing that also, which yeah. I also want to get. They cost the same amount of money, one for a game that I've played before and one for a game that I haven't. But I love the game I played before. No, the games you've played before are, are better. I recommend playing it if you've never played it before. Shadow of the Colossus, one of the best games ever. Yeah. So I, people keep telling me. I keep thinking it. 
So I might have been the one who just keeps telling you over and over. So so I would like to move on. We got a call from our good friend and not a producer, Jeff. Angry friend, fan. Angry ex-producer, Jeff. (laughs) We did say this already. I think so. It's all on the sound film. Yeah, there's no film involved. I promise. But that's why I'm the producer. (laughs) Because I know these things. So we got this call from Jeff. And I'm going to play it back for you right now because he recorded it on his end. And then we're going to talk about it. Hey, this is Jeff calling in. I was just listening to episode 10 and especially the part about when Will was talking about Zelda and how he felt like he kind of like just didn't necessarily have interest in learning a given skill if it didn't seem essential. It was like the game designers were kind of looking over your shoulder saying like, you know, you really should build out your bow hunting skills because, you know, this was specifically written for that and you know you're kind of doing it all ugly and ruining our game not that they're really doing that but i like that kind of internal internal monologue of the game creator and it made me think of how i play starcraft and i've played starcraft with both of you two when i play protoss and i play protoss in a very specific way and i don't really play other ways which is to say i make lots of zealots like just huge numbers of zealots and then i hold out with just zealot 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 until i can build a carrier and then I just build carriers. And so I I, kind of stretch. It's weird because I kind of stretch the sort of foot soldier game as long as I can until I can get to what is really the other end of the power spectrum and build the most powerful unit. And I guess when when I thought about that in light of what Will said, I remember being frustrated when people play against me more than once or twice. And then, you know, if you're a decent player, you can figure out my strategy and then you can beat me. And I feel frustrated because I feel like it is the, the creators of StarCraft who have said, no, player, you really can't just stick to two units. You've got to build some skills and get out there and win some games with other things. And uh, I guess I'm kind of like resentful of that. And I hold out on this theory that if I really hone my game, I can just beat anybody. And if I just pay closer attention, maybe it'll be a little harder than if I really knew how to use more units, but but there'd be some kind of like purity to my play style that is like a virtue unto itself somehow. That's probably just wrong, but it made me wonder, do you think that there's something essential about a game like StarCraft where the game creators have exerted so much control statistically over how the game is played that my imagining is just totally off base? That's my question. I think it's kind of philosophical because obviously even though the game has been really thoroughly plumbed out statistically, different plays and different styles and different players regularly come up with all kinds of wild things that are different, but for what it's worth, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Bye-bye. So. Oh, oh man. Jeff, you have asked a can of worms. (laughs) And yeah. opened it. Yeah, no, so now there's worms on the table. Um, Everywhere. Which we failed to do when we attempted to get them out of the ground that fateful <laughs> oh night. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> but you successfully summoned them here. If you look for Whiskey Hotel, you might find it. But it might not. It might just be still on my computer. Nobody knows. No. So that's a series of big questions. Mm-hmm. And I think, having spoken about multiplayer games, I think a lot of the questions you're asking are related to, but not the same as the various questions about 
multiplayer game experiences in general. And they are experiences that are a little bit around social interaction, mm-hmm. um, sometimes immediate and sometimes mediated through a system. Right. Like a ladder system for ranking. Right. And it's the way that game design smashes into social interaction. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, they're big questions. Yeah. And a lot of this comes down to, uh, and I, I circled this in my notebook while I was taking notes, play style versus metagame. Yeah. And so playstyle is something that many games think about and they try to encourage people having different ones so you can really aim at playing a way that you find enjoyable. Like you were saying with the zealots and then carriers and just really sticking to those two units. Right. And as I'm going to keep saying, and it's going to become even more true every time I say it, like if I if I can raise the dead mm. in a hack and slash game. Right. I'll raise the dead. <laughs> right. And it's very funny because in multiplayer games, you have play styles. For example, um, just playing as the Protoss. Well, this is also 100% what you were talking about earlier about playing... We were, in fact, talking about playing StarCraft, and mm. we were talking about tower defense games. And mm. you're like, I always want to build a big system with a big right. defense. That's what I want to do. I want to build... Bryce's play style. He's an architect. seamless fortification around me where I have turrets and marine bunkers and they just shoot at everyone and they're entirely impenetrable and that's what I want. Right. And, and there are people who wanted to do this and I played Warcraft 2 on the early competitive ladders mm. and these people who wanted to do this they would like start building the thing and I would kill them with like three grunts and they'd be really mad. Grunts? Uh, they're footmen for orc. Oh, you said Warcraft. Yeah. I um, heard Starcraft. But these my... people would be very angry and they'd be like what are you doing? You're ruining my game. And I'd be like, no, I'm playing it right. And it turns out I was the the asshole. (laughs) Um, Because actually they were playing a game and I was playing a different one and I was breaking their game. But what Mm. really happened was that we had failed to communicate about the game we were trying to play. Well, because you were playing with random strangers on the internet. Yeah, and I was playing this game where I'm trying to win. Oh, yeah. And they were playing this game where they were trying to do a certain thing. Well, that's a thing in Magic the Gathering as well, where naive young players, they're not all young, I'll say naive players, will have a thing that they want to, like, build and do and make a thing. Right. And I'm not saying that makes you a bad player of the game, although you are not going to win more times than you don't. You just have your own thing. When I was a kid, and I say this because this was me as a kid. So I would play with my cousin, Glenn. Hello, Glenn. And we would just sit there with our hundred card decks, huge piles. We would wait till we had like a bajillion creatures out. And then after like two and a half hours of sitting there and mechanically slowly building up lands and setting everything up, having them all rush at each other. And then one of us would like be very upset. You have like more or less like an hours long combat phase where you're like, what can I block with? Who blocks what? What even happens? Right. This one has poison, so it's going to block. Oh, that one's flying. So, uh, uh, yeah. And over and over and over again. And so I had a way that I wanted to play, but it wasn't competitive. Right. And then there's competitive play. And actually, both of these things are very important to your ecosystem of a game that you're designing for multiple people to play. You want to be able to have people to be able to, like, be there and maybe not be that good but play a way that they enjoy and that's what you want and it's more important to have that and then maybe have them slowly learn that they want to do something else and if they don't play that often then maybe they will never ultimately decide they want to be 
because maybe they're adults and they have jobs and right. they and spend they... most of their time not thinking about your game. They might never decide they want to just be competitive and be able to play this thing yeah. as well as they could. And so, among other things, there's all these worms on the table. Yeah. Um, so we actually have to probably stop and clean up all these worms. We're going to table the worms yeah. that are on our table. And next time we record, we're probably just going to talk about StarCraft and Magic and gameplay styles and right. a bunch of things around that. Yeah. Because um, there's too many questions. Right. And we didn't even talk at all about metagame. Yeah. Which... I think is fine. Yeah. No, we will. Because we've been talking forever. Yeah. And so you may remember from last week, because I'm of the magic of editing. Yes, right. (laughs) That we talked for too long and it became two podcasts. I remember that. Yeah, I remember it too. (laughs) And so we've been talking for two hours. Yeah. And we should stop. We're done. I'm stopping right now. Right. So I don't even know why you're still listening. Um, (laughs) No, you should still listen. Right. The reason you're still listening is because you want to receive instructions. Right. We want to instruct you. You've been waiting for what to do. That's true. We would like to instruct you to rate us on iTunes. Yeah. So whatever you're listening on, it doesn't matter. Right. This is your call to action. I'm calling you to act. And this isn't like the, you know, Joseph Campbell where you refuse the call first. I mean, it probably is, but... But you've been called again. Right now. Yeah. You yeah, just you already refused, refused it. <laughs> right. But now you're getting called to rate us on iTunes. Yeah. That's the one I'm saying specifically. Yeah, we don't care whether you have iTunes installed. Uh, right. Just find a way. You can install it and uninstall it immediately. <laughs> right. If you do that, you get the special bonus perk of getting Bonjour installed on your Windows machine. <laughs> um, which oh. will allow you to do certain kinds of networking operations that you couldn't do earlier. So... Rate us on iTunes and then maybe uninstall iTunes, but yeah. that's your, yeah, I don't up care. To you. I want you to have rated us and to have Bonjour installed, <laughs> but also subscribe in whatever way. Yeah, how do you, you like, like to subscribe for things? Just do it. There's lots of ways. It's yeah. up to you. And if you would like, you could send us an email with your questions or comments or whatever. Like Jeff is getting all of our attention. Yeah, which is great. We like Jeff. Yeah, I like Jeff. So I'm happy to give him as much intention as he wants well within uh, reason reason. cool it jeff (laughs) you can send us an email at contact at sidequestspodcast.com that's many side quests just one podcast yeah jump on the platform of your choosing and give us as many thumbs stars hearts likes or Uh, anything else as you can give us yeah, that's, I think, covered it mostly. And, and you wanna, if you want to give us, like, significantly fewer than you can, just instead don't. <laughs> yeah, you listened all the way through this podcast, so yeah. you like, could easily just say that you liked it. Yeah. And that that made you keep listening. Yeah, that was fine. And then you can reevaluate what reasons were really making you listen. Yeah. And it's probably that you liked it. If you're so angry, just write us an email. Yeah. And we'll address your concerns. Yeah. I'm not saying we're going to satisfy your concerns. No, that would be too much of a promise. That's too much of a promise. So, that's it. And goodbye. Yeah, bye. See you later.